are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential, derived from our maker. That is liberty, and liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings, happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show podcast here on Westwood One, powered by CRTV, available also on iTunes and Stitcher. I'm Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are going to be joining us here shortly. We love to know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. We just wrapped up our television show today for CRTV. You can get access to that if you're not already a subscriber. CRTV.com, promo code DACE gets you a discounted annual subscription, not just to our show, but all of the shows. We have a massive lineup now, beginning with the great one, Mark Levin. All of the shows we have here each and every day at CRTV.com. And yes, if an annual subscription, even with a discount, if that's a big nut for you to crack up front, we do have monthly subscription options available as well. Gentlemen, let's give the uh, audience a little tease of what's to come today on CRTV. Todd, I'll start with you. What do you want them to look forward to? Well, on fake news or not, I uh, learned that we are not to be judged by the color of our skin, but by the size of our carbon footprint. That's the lesson, the true, the hidden Gnostic lesson of MLK Jr.'s birthday. Yeah, um, if if, if that's true... um, what I what I learned today is that in the Upper Midwest right now where we live, um, guys, w- today is a day of of our salvation. Today is a day of rejoicing um, because the, today is the day that we learn that we are the least racist region of our country, and we are, especially from the months of November to March. Nice. You can watch that again today. CRTV.com. Promo code DACE. Well, it is Tuesday here on the podcast, and we like to call those Pop Culture Tuesdays. We take a look at what is trending in pop culture from a conservative point of view. Sometimes we'll talk about movies uh, that we have recently seen, what are the worldviews they communicate. In fact, I'm going to start there. I've seen two movies in the last week. Both of them I would recommend for differing reasons. One is definitely more adult material, and the other one is for families. Where do you guys want to start? Uh, kids. You want to start with the kids? All right. So I took Zoe, who's a little old for the for the film, but she was still young enough. It's amazing the difference in their perspective from 10 to 12. Okay? So, you know, when the first Paddington movie came out when she was 10 and she remembered the books from when she was a kid, she wasn't too old for it and, and really looked forward to it. At 12 now, she's kind of like, well, okay, if you're asking me to go on a daddy-daughter date with you, then I'll go see it. Well, I knew she kind of wanted to see it, but you're not supposed to still want to kind of like it, you know? Um, it is, uh, you know, it's, it's very British, and I mean that in a good way. It, it has an understated charm, you know? It was a fun time at the theater. Uh, looking at some of the movies they have coming out, like Isle of Dogs, Early Man, I literally could feel my IQ plummeting and and probably my sperm count too, my my masculinity dropping watching the previews of these films. Even my daughter looked at me and said, these just look stupid. Okay, so I I don't know how 
plentiful the uh, options may be on the horizon for the next few weeks. If you've got some kids that got cabin fever with the winter and you got to get them out of the house, you want to take them to a movie for a couple of hours, just let them, you know, scarf down some popcorn and kill some time. And you can sit and relax and be mildly entertained while they are distracted so you don't have to be responsible for entertaining them. Paddington 2 is um, a, a, a good way to spend that afternoon. I actually thought it was a little bit better movie than the first one. Because I think Hugh Grant, and I know the, you know, um, I know the antagonist in a Paddington movie is not necessarily a vital role, okay? But as much as one of my youthful celebrity crushes, Nicole Kidman, I still enjoy looking at her on screen, Hugh Grant's villain in Paddington 2 was was much better developed, performed. I got a kick out of him, actually. So I I think you'll enjoy the film, and it has a very pro-capitalistic message. You know, one of the plots of the movie is what drives the movie is that Paddington wants to get the uh, his adoptive ant bear that raised him in the wild and has never been able to visit London and sent him in her stead. Uh, he wants to get her this uh, lucrative pop-up book that was written about London at the turn of the century and is considered a priceless artifact now. And it's worth, you know, thousands of dollars he cannot afford. And so guess what he does in order to uh, get the money for it? What do you think he does? Uh, he gets on welfare. and No, that's not what happens. Uh, he gets a job, guys. You looked at me dumbstruck. I don't know. what I, You guys look at me. I have no idea what someone would do if they wanted money to buy something they really wanted. <laughs> I didn't realize the pause was going to be that pregnant. We're talking about a talking bear movie after <laughs> yeah, all. So, but like, yes. Bears can get jobs? Yeah, he gets a job, and it's not, and I mean, he is... He's working, man. Uh, he is working for a living, working, as Huey Lewis in the news once sang. I mean, he is. He's he's putting his back into it. I mean, he is doing real labor, and and you know, you see in the trailer, he gets accused of stealing this artifact, and he is he is morally offended. Why is he morally offended? And he makes this point. He is morally offended because I've been working to earn the money for that another in other words his personal sense of dignity is tied to the investment he is making with his time talent and treasure to perform this occupation in order to get back the capital he seeks to buy the product he desires this is capitalism it is a key theme in the movie, it also has some uh, very strong pro-family messages as, w- as well, and it and it takes maybe un- unintentionally, or it, ironically, it takes a shot at the poor moral character of actors in general at the exact same time. So, good time was had by all, Todd. I highly sh- recommend. So the whole capitalist theme. You you're sure this isn't just a dog whistle for racism? <laughs> you're positive. Everything is a dog whistle for racism. So let's just get that out of the way. Let's just assume everything is a dog whistle for Asked racism. And answered. Everything is. I would I would recommend this, Heron. I would recommend it. I did not see the first Paddington. Did you, Todd? No. Did you do the books when you were a kid? No. Neither did I. I had to Google it when you were talking. I, think, about I didn't know it, what they honest. were. I mean, the, our kids knew about them, but I when I until our, we had our, I didn't read them. I, I wasn't aware of them, but I didn't know what the Bernstein Bears were. Oh, I know what the Bernstein Bears. Yeah. To are, me, yeah. if if it was this, not see, if it, if it didn't wear a cape, guys. All right, and and have a mask and cool gadgets and a superpower. I was I I didn't do it when I was a kid. I was but, all superhero. But you're all pop the time. culture, Steve. I would you, you weren't even like 
aware of Paddington I was, Bear? I, I was not. I've still never actually, can you believe this? I've never actually watched the original Pinocchio. Because really? we never watched any of those old Disney films either. None of them. But once you had now, kids, now, you didn't? W- once we've had kids, we have watched. I've watched. You know, I've seen most of them now. Yeah, but but for our kids, the older ones are kind of slow. Bambi and this, and you know, the girls loved Cinderella and Snow White and Sleeping Beauty. I watched all those a million times. But for Noah, you know, they didn't really care about Pinocchio and stuff. For Noah, that stuff is too slow. Well, Bambi. No, Noah wanted to watch Astro Boy when he was really little. We we he watched the DVD of that movie before things were everything was on demand and digital now. He watched the DVD of that movie to the point I didn't think it was possible to warp a DVD. It finally just gave up and said we can't do this again. That's how many times he watched that movie over and over and over again like every day he watched it, couldn't get enough of it. Loved it. Weren't you shocked the first time you put Bambi back in and you saw your kid's eyes when Bambi's mom just gets shot in the very <laughs> first 5 minutes of the movie? My kids fell asleep, man. They, they they just never got in. It wasn't fast enough. It wasn't fast paced enough for them. Well, they that's needed pretty more fast action. paced. Deer hunting season. My wife and I look at each other like we totally forgot about that part, and the kids are just like. Ah. I was. By the way, it's winter desolation here in the Midwest. I live in a suburban neighborhood, very densely populated area here in Des Moines. I'm driving in to do the show yesterday. I forgot to tell you guys this. Literally, fully grown deer. Yep. Just comes in the middle of the morning. Just comes running right across the street like she owns. Like in, she owns the neighborhood in your neighborhood. Yeah. Okay. Well, you need to watch them right around here too, because there's they're crazy. There's a creek like just like yep. ten yards away from here. They like that a lot. I've seen a ton of deer right right in this parking lot. I hate to say this when they went walking, but when she went running right in front of me, I thought that's a lot of meat. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever shot anything, Steve? I have not. No, I did. Are I you did. Freaking serious! I've never shot anything. I've shot, well. I have. I, I mean, you mean like, like another a, live like being? Li- another live being? No, yeah. I have not. Have I fired guns? Well, yes, but I've never actually fired it at something that lived. No, only targets. I did when I was an Airborne Express delivery driver, one winter break in college. I did hit a deer. That did happen. That that's the closest the kids, I've come to killing something other than bugs and when, rodents. When the kids move out of the house, because then you won't have any excuse. That's why I'm putting. When the kids move out of your house, you need to go hunting, Steve. I know that's you need a, to the fix that. Is I don't. I just want to eat the hunting. I don't want to sit out there all day. I'm off Twitter. I, I can't jump on YouTube and watch old game highlights. No. Todd, have you ever oh shot anything? <laughs> I am the ugly American yes, guy. That was grotesque. You guys go hunting. <laughs> I'm off of Twitter. <laughs> never never rip millennials again after what you just said there. <laughs> uh, you guys go hunting. I will help you sell it and consume I mean, it. I think that's a fair deal. One of my secret dreams of this job, some sort of Christmas bonus, something like that, I absolutely want to be able to go down and do the uh, Ted Cruz thing where he hunts ducks with uh, Papa oh, Duck Master. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah. Can we arrange that? Oh, yeah. Uh, probably. I yeah. Know he, we, we're technically co-workers now. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. This is why Although, I, and I remember... We are officially known as other, other programming. programming. Isn't that what we are officially known as? <laughs> hey, I'll wear the T-shirt that says other programming. You should my, introduce yourself to I'm Phil other, as, yeah. hi, I'm, a, I'm other programming. <laughs> yeah. He'll say, do you love Jesus? Yeah, I'm good. Nice to meet you, other programming. It'll be good. Yeah. I, I, not Enjoy. I'm happy eating the duck. 
I, but I, I'm just no. I'm, I have no interest in it at all. I don't want to sit out there and fish all day. That's not my bag, man. I'm a technologically guy. I think guy. you need that thorn in your side. I I, I don't actually. I'm pretty confident <laughs> that I don't. I I like my technology. I like I, that's just the way that I'm wired. I I that stuff. No, I can't do that. I, I'm not interested in it. Like I'm in. I hated the, the the scene in Red Dawn. I I loved Red Dawn. I, the original when I was a kid. I've watched that movie like eight hundred times. You know, especially because what is what is the what's what do they call their unit? What do they call themselves? Wolverines. Wolverines. That's right. Go blue, baby. But when they drink the 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 deer blood at the beginning, I'm like, oh no. So okay. So when when th- speaking of when things go south though, and you know we got to form our own little Wolverines unit. What can we count on you for, Steve Dace? You know what? I'm the one to count on, and here's why. <laughs> Because I am, I am going to think of the absolute quickest, most strategically viable way with the least amount of assumed risk to win this thing, right? You guys can go in there, load up your 30 out sixes and your shotguns and, and, and go in blazing a trail head first. You'll all be dead, all right? I'll be the guy waiting for them to waste all their bullets on you guys, okay? And then it's much e- then then it's much easier to do clobber in time after that. It's called the rope a dope, brother. I thought you were going to say I'm going to find the most strategic, uh, low risk way to bring back football or something like that. Well, that's That'd true. You got to give I mean, me a cause. Give me a cause. I'm not sure mere existing is enough of a cause for me at this point, frankly. You'll be like the Gary Sinise in Apollo 13 with just like barely enough electricity to wire together the PS4. Come on, I got to get my fix here. Yes. Give me something to rally around. Now that would be it. <laughs> All right, that would be it. Uh, the, another movie I've seen in the last uh, week or so is called Molly's Game. Have you guys heard of this one? I heard of it. Is that like the girl poker? Yes. I've, I honestly know nothing and about it. And I didn't it know anything about her at all. You know, this is, um, if you, ladies, uh, plug your ears for just a minute. Fellas, I'm, I'm going to give a little tip on the dope rhyme to the fellas out there. All right. So the way this works is a few times a year, you know, because and we just bought this movie pass a few months ago. Highly would recommend it if you like going to the movies. It's essentially Netflix for going to the movies. You pay ten bucks a month for each individual, and you go. You can use it once a day, every day of the week, if you want, at almost every movie theater in America. And uh, well, how do they make money off that? The, I mean, the theaters don't care because they're not making much money off of your box office receipts anyway. You know, they, they where do they make their money? Off of the $9 hot dog they're selling you. That's where they're making their money. Okay? Which you had, and it was delicious. Yeah, that, and so that's, they, they just want to get you in the door. That's why, that's why the theaters are signing off on this, because they want to just get you in the door, because they know once you get there and you start smelling the popcorn, the odds you're not buying something are probably not high. Okay? So every few months, you know, if there's nothing out, I'm really like, I'm really charged up to see. Fellas, here's what you do. All right? Take it from a guy who's got some experience under his belt now. You tell the wife, hey, you look like you probably could use a, some time out. Get out. Get out from the kids. Oh, yeah. Let's go to the movies. Yeah, what do you want to see? You know what? We haven't seen what you've wanted to see in a long time. You choose. And you and you t- that's when you take one for the team. Not when Thor Ragnarok is coming out, guys. But like in the middle of January where there's nothing that you've been like counting down the, the, the moments until it arrives. This is when you say to the wife... You know what, honey? I'm happy to go see anything you want to see. Are you are you tracking with me here, Todd? I think so. All right, and you say, "Hey, you choose." Right? 
Aaron, are you taking notes on this for future reference? I am, yeah. All right. All right. So that's how the game is played. All right. Ladies, you can tune back. You can tune back in now. All right. Um, Does Amy look at you at that point and say, yes, Steve, I know it's January. (laughs) We've been married for 20 years. Can you allow me to believe I'm getting over (laughs) for just once? Please. All right. Anyway, uh, she chose this movie, Molly's Game. And I can't believe, given my background, I wasn't aware of this. Um, But uh, it's based on the story of Molly Bloom. I remember her brother, Jeremy Bloom. And I didn't know until in the movie when they told us that that they were related. Jeremy Bloom was a big time case in the NCAA about uh, I think it was about 15 years ago. He was uh, he was an All Big 12 wide receiver, a really good player for Colorado. He's also an Olympic gold or Olympic level skier. Well, skiing is not a huge sport in the United States, so you know once every four years around Olympic time, you have a chance to make money off of it if you get endorsements and things of that nature. But year-round in certain Scandinavian countries, it's like you're playing in the NBA or Major League Baseball, right? So he had opportunities abroad to endorse products from his um, skiing acumen. And the NCAA wanted to rule because he was taking endorsement money in other continents, that went against his amateurism eligibility in the United States. And so it became a huge case and everything else. Well, his sister is who this movie's about. And she was trying to follow in his footsteps as an Olympic skier, has a freak accident at the Olympic trials when she's favored to make the team. And that sort of sends her into this downward spiral and this weird confluence of events where she ends up becoming America's poker illegal poker room princess both in LA and in New York I've heard of none of this neither have I oh didn't we watch this uh, yeah we watched the trailer for this uh, with Mike Woody who plays yeah but when, but when you watch the trailer you, you don't, don't really you, don't, you don't get any yeah. of this mm-hmm. Idris Elba plays her attorney he's great he's in this awesome. movie in this as, as her attorney by the way uh, Jessica Chastain who's also not oh, she's... not painful to look at uh, pay, plays Molly uh, Brown in the movie and she does a great job she's fantastic actress. Kevin Costner is her dad is terrific as well, um, and I don't, I I can't get too much into the worldview of this movie without giving and spoiling something that I don't want to spoil. This is definitely a movie for adults. Uh, it's not. There's no uh, no gratuitous sex, nudity, mild violence, uh, but there's tons of language. I mean, the the cast from Stranger Things would think the people in this movie cuss too much, um, but. I'll say this to tease what the, the key worldview po- point of the film is for we as men, it is a reminder of the role and responsibility we play in setting the example for our kids. And I'm just going to leave it at that. I don't want to say anything more because that, that becomes a key plot point that brings the plot to a head at the end of the movie. And I don't want to, uh, I'm not going to say anymore. I don't want to spoil it, but it, it's Aaron Sorkin. So when my wife told me this was the movie she picked, I looked it up and I said, well, it's an Aaron Sorkin production, which means two things. We're going left. It will also be very well written. Okay. Actually, it doesn't really do much on the political front, uh, which for Aaron Sorkin takes an immense amount of restraint for people who don't know his background. He did a, you know, a little television show. A few people probably heard of that was his brainchild called What Todd? 
The West Wing. The Left Wing, yes. It was called the, well, most people called it the West Wing. I used to refer to it as the Left Wing, all right? Uh, but it was so well done that I know a lot of my conservative friends watched it. It was I watched it. too ham-fisted for me. I couldn't hack it, so I tapped out like after episode two of the first season. But uh, the worst mistake it made is the most ham-fisted is it, is it episode it ever did. Was I'm the glad first you brought that up. One because I was willing to watch it because I just would be fascinated by a realistic depiction of what's going on in there. The very first episode, they created a archetype of Janet Partial. The, the from Moody Bible Institute, the right. conservative female Christian commentator, they created an archetype of her and turned her in to essentially uh, the the every stereotype you could imagine for a fun, for a fundamentalist wacko. I was I was a pagan at this time, just a secular conservative, and I and I and that and I thought to myself at that time, if this is the first episode in the road we're going down, I can get that. In 97 other places, I'm out. I and I tapped out after the first episode because even me as a pagan at them at that moment, I just was just appalled at how they were clearly archetyping and demagoguing is a better word for it. Um, an archetype of Janet Partial. You know what I'm talking about? I do, and I know there's a lot of other people like you, which is a shame because the show went on and to be it was far more uh, nuanced than that episode and a lot of people never saw that. Because you know why? It also reminded me of a movie that came out about the same time called An American, The American President with Michael Douglas. You remember that? I do. The last date I ever went on with a woman not named Amy Ramsey was to see that movie. Holy crap. Was that a pile piece of Democratic Party propaganda was that film. All the way through. Stem to Stern. Total Democratic Party propaganda all the way through. And so when I and so the opening of the West Wing going right to that or the left wing right to that card, I thought, nah, I'm out. I'm not doing this. I know, but you're not alone. I've got a lot of staunch conservative friends that love the show. I guess years later they brought in an archetype of Ann Coulter, correct? Was kind of a reoccurring character that was sort of based on her a little bit. Much better than Ann Coulter. Yeah, they they hired a conservative because they, they they said we want somebody around. Who has a difference of opinion? She mm-hmm. Ains, and my this is my her care her name uh, was Ainsley Hayes. My firstborn, my daughter is named Ainsley. Ainsley. Okay. Well, this movie Molly's Game is really light on politics. It is though very well written, which is Aaron Sorkin's other trademark. He knows how to write, and he knows how to write at a very fast pace. You don't realize two hours have gone by when this movie is over. It is very, very well done. So, But again, this is definitely something for uh, the adults that are listening, not for family movie night. You sold me. I did. And then I'm- well, I should get a residual off of that. Don't um, you think? I keep showing up to work on time. That's pretty good. Huh? Does this movie interest you at all, Aaron? Yes, it does. Um, yeah, that it, It's one of those... Uh, it sounds like one of those once in um you know once in a lifetime type stories that you just hear you know this person uh is related to this famous per uh, it's it just it, it defies logic i should say uh how much from from your uh, testimony of of her story it defies logic how much could happen uh to one person it does sound really interesting and jessica chastain she is one of the most underrated actresses in America, in my estimation, I mean, she, she, the movie, uh, what was the movie about hunting down Osama bin Laden? Oh, Zero Dark Thirty. Zero Dark Thirty. She that was, was kind just, of her breakthrough yeah, role. She was outstanding in that movie. 
That's a good segue to some other movie news, by the way. Um, with 2017 in the books, in The Last Jedi, officially the number one movie of the year from a box office standpoint. Here, gentlemen, were the top 10 grossing films of 2017. Tell me if you saw these movies or not. Okay. Number 10, Justice League. No. Yes. Okay. Number nine, Jumanji. Nope. No, but my children have. You have to see it. It's great. I really want to see it. It is, it is terrific. Yes, terrific. Number eight, Despicable Me 3. And I think Jumanji may end up passing it by the time it's all said and done. But Despicable Me 3, number eight. Nope. Saw it a week ago, rented it as a family, and uh, I was kind of Despicable Me'd out, but it was okay. I love the Minions. I thought this was clearly the weakest entry in the field. And it should have appealed to you and I with the 80s references and stuff like that, but I kind of thought, eh. My bar was so low by that point, I just think we're just doing this to make the third one and make the money, but uh, we were entertained. Do you guys realize that other than Jurassic Park, that is the most successful franchise of films in the history of Universal Studios? Really? Yeah. That is crazy. Yeah. All three of those films have made over $300 million Hmm. domestic. Yeah. Number seven, Thor Ragnarok. I haven't no. seen it yet. Are you want guys to. kidding me? I want to, but we... Thor Ragnarok is insanely good. I have. Uh, by the time it'll be the first once it's out on DVD, I'll get it that weekend. But I can't get out to every single movie, man. We're not actually get out to see every single. We're actually get out to a movie, like a a, a a a one, a movie. Thor Ragnarok is great. It is. I I can't say enough good things about it. It's just. So well written, so much fun, and best use of Led Zeppelin in a movie soundtrack all time. All time. Number six, It. Did you guys see this? No. No, and I won't. The genre is... That's not your your bag? Okay. It is essentially an R-rated version of Stranger Things. Um, In terms of the way the movie is made, the story is not... Well, it is somewhat... Well, obviously, it the book is older than Stranger Things, so Stranger Things a story uh, of you know an enemy menace, alien menace from another dimension and upside down is a derivative of the story of the villain of it, which is you know manifests itself as Pennywise the clown that King based off of John Wayne Gacy. But the tone and temperament of this film is very much a, an R-rated version of Stranger Things. It's very reminiscent of it, even setting the movie in the eighties. When King's um, book obviously came out in the '80s, and so the kids were kids in the in the early '60s. Can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. You've mentioned this on air before, but I just want to ask you point blank now: Had the movie closed itself the way the, the book does, the way the book does, and not shown it overtly, but made it abundantly clear that's what happened, and the movie being made now, not in 1980. Mm-hmm. Do you think the movie still would have fallen where it was? No way. No way. Even today. Yeah, we don't have many moral lines left in our culture today, but the children thing, now, they're trying to wear away at that, you know, with cover girl kids and trans kids, but this is still an area, as we just learned in an Alabama Senate race. This is a a place where today, in fact, as we're doing this podcast in the state of Michigan, the Michigan State University celebrated gymnastics 
trainer who has worked for the American Olympic team for decades. Yeah, he's a scumbag. Is a total POS. And 88 women, 88 women stood up at his sentencing trial today to testify to what he did to them. 88 did. That doesn't count one, a few of the women that have committed suicide, I believe, from the story that I read today about this. So we don't have many taboo subjects left. And I'm not, now ask me this question five years from now, and I'm not confident the answer I'm giving will be true five years from now that it, but today, no, there is no way if, if, this, if the story is resolved in this film the way it was in the book, which is the kids escaping the demon by it's one girl and I think six boys or five boys. If the, the way they escape, the, and they're all on the brink, they're all at the, at the early onset stages of puberty, and the way they escape the demon is they realize the demon doesn't feast on adults. They need to pass into adulthood, and the way they pass into adulthood is they have group sex with this girl. That's... And you want to talk about one of the all-time... Oh... Moments reading a book. Remember, when I read this book for the first time in like 1989-90, we didn't have fanboy spoilers. You didn't know, you know? So I'm reading this book at night before I go to bed. It's scaring the dickens out of me. I'm like, man, how is he going to end this? And you got two time periods going on concurrently. It's so brilliantly written. And you get to the end, you're like, oh. And you just want to shut the book. It's so revolting. You feel like you feel like you have been swindled. You've been robbed. You know, when they did the miniseries, when you and I were in high school, they did a miniseries version of this. And that's not in there. There have actually been everybody from Christian thought leaders to feminist leaders have written columns, open letters to King over the years, urging him to rewrite the ending of the book because they find it so revolting. And he's always refused. Now, they're going to do a sequel. When you have a horror film which don't take much to make. So even the greatest horror films don't have budgets more than 30, 40 million. You can't film a week of Justice League for that, <laughs> okay? When you have a film that has a $30 million budget and it makes over 300 million domestic, you're getting a sequel or 12 of them, okay? When you have that kind of ROI. Well, this movie only centered on the time, only on one of the timelines, but it did center on the timeline with how the kids escape and it did not put that ending in. We'll see if maybe ensuing renditions of, of this series alludes to it or not. But in no way, shape, or form does this movie allude to that. It doesn't even hint at it whatsoever. All of the relationships are noble, virtuous. And obviously, you know, a young girl, an attractive young girl and a bunch of boys, there's obviously, they're in puberty. There's a, hormones are raging. There's a sexual awakening happening. But it is not in any way what shape or form presented tawdry at all totally antithesis of King's, of how King resolves the storyline. Number five, Spider-Man Homecoming. Nope. Yes. Could you maybe try making an in, uh, less coffee tables in uh, 2018? Do you think? See, or? I actually moved, and uh, I now live in the corner of a basement, and so I'm even more of a shut-in now on the weekends. Beautiful. Yep. What is that, Velvet? Uh, it's another movie reference, sorry. It's beautiful. What is that, Velvet? You know what movie that is, I... don't you? You know what it is. <laughs> yes. It's beautiful. What is that, Velvet? Number four, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Yes. No. You haven't seen that? I haven't seen it yet. <clears throat> Gotta rent it. Yeah. I'm, I'm dying here. I've seen two of the four superhero movies so far. I'm doing all right. It's on Netflix, Todd. 
It is on Netflix now. I don't have Netflix. And yet he wants to go hunting. I do. Wonder Woman. No. Like. Wow. We've seen that. Wonder Woman is terrific. Like six or seven times. My girls just love it. Beauty and the Beast number two? Yes. Yes. Just kidding. <laughs> you know what's funny is when I when I posted the list of top ten films of the year, oh, yeah, I forgot to our, I forgot I to indicate my original tweet that these were the top ten grossing films yeah. and not my picks. <laughs> Dana Lash yeah. lost her poop. God bless her. What do you mean you got Beauty and the Beast? Because the whole cultural conflict with that, you know. And I'm I've not even seen the movie. Okay. But I, I've realized that I forgot to indicate, no, 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 these are the top 10 grossing films, not my own personal top 10 list. All right. And then number one uh, is The Last Jedi. Now, these would be my top 10 movies of the year. Number 10, I've got what, and, and there's some really good movies. This was a strong year for movies. I, I don't say that a lot. Most years when I get asked to put together a top 10, it's hard for me to do it because I'm like, well... I can tell you what the 10 best movies I saw this year were, but I just don't think I could come up with 10 movies that, if I weren't comparing them to everything else, I would put on this kind of a list. It's a standalone entity. There are some really good movies. Jumanji is terrific, not on my list. All the Money in the World, terrific, not on my list. Okay, There are some really good... Dunkirk, I don't think is terrific, but is really good, not on my list. There are some really good movies that in most years would easily be on my list that did not make it this year. Okay? Number 10, I have What Happened to Monday, which is a Netflix original. And it essentially tells the story of if Margaret Sanger got her way in the future, and Glenn Close essentially plays Margaret Sanger. And it's forced population control on the American people. And a father, um, his daughter dies in childbirth, giving birth to septuplets. And you're not allowed to have more than two kids. And so these septuplets are identical. And so he raises them to hide the fact there's seven of them. He sends a different one off to school every day. They learn each other's mannerisms. They learn how to inhabit the same personality at the same time as they're growing up. They have their own distinct ones. And then eventually the government catches on to them and comes after them. It is an exceedingly pro-life movie. It, it shows ultimately what the utilitarian ethic, what Planned Parenthood, would, what its ultimate conclusion of what it asserts truly is. Highly recommend. Number nine, I have It, which you've already discussed. I have Thor Ragnarok, number eight on my list, which we've already discussed. I have a movie, M. Night Shyamalan's Split, at number seven. James McAvoy's performance as a guy um, who is sickened with multiple personality disorder to the point that he has a psychotic break it's chilling it is powerful you can't stop watching it at the same time you want to you do want to stop watching it it's it's enthralling and discomforting at the exact same time really well done have either of you guys seen this movie no have not in this one i'd have to find a way to go rent the dvd and watch by myself i think based on the way you've talked about this before my wife would just have want nothing to do with it yeah it, it's it's in his performance is insanely good it's the second best performance acting performance i've seen in a movie this year or last year we'll get to the best one here in a minute uh, i've got the greatest showman at number six and you would have told me 12 months ago i was going to put a musical in my top 10 you guys know i man. saw that one you did see that one yeah it was pretty good it is a great movie. 
My oldest daughter loved it. So if I'm putting a musical in the top 10, it's got to be really good. I mean, like really, really good. Because I'm just averse to the uh, to the genre in general. Uh, I've got The Last Jedi, number five. I just saw it again for the third time about a week or so ago. Every time I see it, Erzin gets more wrong. Number it would four, not be on my top 10. I want to make that abundantly clear. Number four is the greatest acting performance I saw last year. And it's uh, Darkest Hour about Winston Churchill's rise to prime minister at the darkest time of World War II for Great Britain. Isolated. All of Europe has fallen. It's basically them against the entire Nazi empire. And the American U.S. is still on the sidelines. Gary Oldman does not portray Winston Churchill. He inhabits him. He channels him. It is uncanny, really. It is uncanny. I mentioned this to you a while back, and now I saw another review where I have to be more specific. Most of the reviews I've seen have been something along the lines of what you're talking about, but I've seen two reviews that seem sober-minded that say that Churchill came across as kind of weak and whiny and uncertain of himself and i'm they the two they well this is the federalist who told us luke skywalker's not i don't know is not the hero of the last jedi i don't know the guy who who dies at the end of the movie sacrificing himself for the for what's left of the entire alliance was not the hero of the movie Good God, man. I'm sorry there might be a little humanity. At some point, I'm sorry you're your ex post facto superhero. At some point when he was when the entire weight of Western civilization is placed on his shoulders, that at one point he didn't constantly he wasn't Horatio Hornblower from stem to stern. Never had any doubts. Never at once. I I, I you know what? Listen, if you're Catholic, don't read that part where Jesus looks at St. Peter and says, get thee behind me, Satan. All right? If you're an evangelical, don't look at those parts in the scriptures where Paul has doubts all the way through many of his writings. Good God, man. I'm sorry he might be a little bit human and he doesn't, and he doesn't change freaking clothes in a telephone booth. Good Lord, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me with this? I'm not, Fire everyone. I'm not sure. Fire everyone. Unemployment in America is too low. Fire everyone. Fire them all. Fire everyone. Okay, I want. That's a that's a that's a terrible take. I wanted to tell begin. me who it was. I don't. There were two of them, and I don't. One remember of them. Don't tell were. me. Don't tell me. One of them was at National Review. I, <laughs> I don't remember. Aaron's laughing out loud because he knows. Aaron doesn't even go to movies. He's making coffee tales in the co- tables in the corner of a basement, oh, but he knows. What movie were we talking about? Chris and I were talking about, and one of the, it was, I can't remember which movie, the reviewer at National Review um, was talking about its intellectual world, intellectual, the intellectualness of this movie, and uh, called it erotic. And I thought that was really weird. What you see is a guy who essentially has to run a shadow government because his own cabinet, his own party, which Neville Chamberlain, who we replaced, is still in charge of, and a king that doesn't like him because he sided with his brother and not wanting to abdicate his throne to an American divorcee, everybody's conspiring against him for most of the time. He is given the role of prime minister because the guy they really are grooming to take over they don't want him having surrendered to the Nazis the first thing on his resume. So they're giving it to a guy that has flip-flopped political parties multiple times, nobody likes. 
well, you know, give it to him. Let, let this happen on his watch. And he's got to rise above all of this. Literally hours after he is named prime minister, they come to him and say, hey, what's left of our army is pinned down at Dunkirk and we're toast. Uh, so get surrender. And we've already been talking surrender to the Nazis, so get it ready. I'm sorry. With the fate of humanity resting in the balance, at some point somebody said, Winston Churchill said, I, I'm not sure I can handle this. Heaven forbid someone might be a human being. Heaven forbid. There is no doubt who the hero is here. And he becomes the hero by overcoming those doubts. Guns up, flips off the entire system like a boss. Yeah. And tells them all where to go. You get the hero you want. Well, I know Understand, the history. Understand, though, I'm just... heroes, what makes them hero, heroic, what makes our heroes heroes, is not that they have human frailties. It's their courage in overcoming them. Persevering through them. Yeah, courage isn't the absence of fear. Courage is overcoming. That's exactly right. You know what? Everybody, stop watching cable news. And I don't care what your political persuasion is. Stop. Stop watching it. Stop sharing the clips on social media for those of you that just... It's, it's toxic sludge poisoning America. I think, I think it is causing those of us who engage in it to try and f- and now we are we are polluting our own well we are toxifying everything good through the prism of the pettiness of that genre dilly dilly number three i've got wonder woman which is the most blatant presentation of the gospel in a mainstream hollywood film not starring charlton heston ever okay uh, number two, I've got Get Out, which is so good. Have you guys seen Aaron, I know you yep. saw it. You mm-hmm. have still have not seen it, Todd? I have not. And I, I, part of me just isn't interested, but when you put it ahead of Wonder Woman, it's like I have to see it eventually. It's tremendous. It is, and you want to talk, it, this is a film, Whitey's, we couldn't make this movie. Okay, it would be considered a racist dog whistle. So if only Nixon could go to China, um, a pro Black Lives Matters progressive director had to be the one to make a film that points out how inherently hypocritical white progressives are when it comes to race. Even down to the villain of the film looking to, look, saying the line, hey, I voted for Obama twice and I'd have voted for, voted for him for a third time if I could. <laughs> so good. Gosh, I love the movie. Love it. And number one, I have Wonder. Great movie. Which is, it is the closest I think we are able to come in our cultural condition to an It's a Wonderful Life kind of moment at the cinema. I, I don't know that we can truly grasp, you know, the the mature innocence that It's a Wonderful Life, that line, that thread that Frank Capra is able to to to, to walk in that film. I think we're we're probably too far gone as a culture to recreate something like that. This movie's the closest I think we can come to something like that. It truly is the human experience in one movie. And I could not recommend it and, highly enough. And it could have been done on a made-for-TV, right. almost Disney, and it would have been good, but not great. The, the writing and the details, the little moments. I mean, one that really struck me that I thought, and it was just put in there um, in such a, a subtle way to show, 
you, um, the father, um, Owen Wilson, mm-hmm. and and he's, you know, he the the mother is the one who's really been tasked with raising uh, this boy. She's very very serious. Gave up her career to homeschool yes. the kid. Right. He, he's more happy. He, I mean, Owen Wilson kind of plays himself. I mean, right. he's happy go lucky. If joking. Owen Wilson matured, yeah. got married, and have kids, yes. this would be the the version of what you saw in Wedding Crashers. The same guy, just more grown up. Yeah, and he's joking all the time, but he's clearly he's taking the responsibility on himself. I mean, it's in his nature, but to be that guy, I, that's the role I have to play to keep my family together, mm-hmm. to make sure this doesn't overwhelm us. And there shows it shows the moment when the, the family dog dies. And the dog has always been there. And, been his, and it shows a moment earlier in the seed where he asked the dog to help go take out the old Christmas tree. And when, after the family dog dies, it just shows him sitting alone in the kitchen, sobbing. Yeah. And that's way more than about the dog. It was just about that... There is. We all have our, our breaking point where we can't. Uh, we can't just bear the, it the, any this longer. Is the, this was the, his proverbial last. And straw. I just thought it was. Right. It's just brilliant. And there's details like that. The, the older sister the who doesn't. Who because she's well adjusted, yes. mature, a high achiever. Parents take her for granted, and she sort of feels isolated. She loves her brother at the same time. Resents the amount of exactly of, of how the entire world revolves around him. But it's presented in a way that is not. It, it, it's realistic. Yes. Family dysfunction, but not with the intent of tearing down the family right. unit uh, in sort of an, a cultural agate prop sort of way. That's why I think it's the closest our culture can come in our current state. It's the closest we can probably come to, to creating a Frank, a Frank Capra-like a film with that sort of a spirit. And, and I couldn't recommend it highly enough. It's one of those movies, when it's over, you don't want it to end. And it's not because they didn't bring the story to a head. It's just because you so enjoy sharing life with these characters and these people. You just... You don't want it to end. You don't. You don't want to walk out of the theater. You just want to continue following this family's uh, path, evolution, adventures, because they're just so human. And even when they're it, it, when in their weak spots, they're endearing. It's just I, I couldn't recommend it highly enough. Final thoughts, gentlemen. What did we learn today? Well, I uh, learned that I... That you need re- to go out to see more movies. I was going to say, I really need to go see uh, Thor Ragnarok. Um, that one sounds like a lot of fun. And of all the ones you mentioned, I think that I haven't seen yet, that's probably as high on the list. Thor Ragnarok, albeit from a different point of view, has a similar bent in that they make Thor, Loki, everything that was the complaints about the Dark World is in reverse. You, this is another movie you didn't want to end. It was just, you thought, these people are so cool, I just want to hang out with them a little bit longer. Thor Ragnarok kind of had that, 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 that uh, Dark World sentiment was, as well. I, I saw that once. I never saw it again. I can't even remember what that movie was exactly. about. Exactly. I'm with you. I, I've, I saw it once in the theater. Can't remember. I've tried watching it you know, on DirecTV, a few, and I'm like, this is just, no, I can't do this. Aaron, what'd you learn? I learned the same thing. I need to get out more. Uh, but I, I think- But he won't. Yeah, but I won't. <laughs> on the other hand- Aaron'sCoffeeTables.com yep. is hopping right now. Yeah, it is. Business is booming. What can I say? I mean, coffee table is love. Coffee table is life. Lady, you want a man with a slow hand. <laughs> you want a lover with an easy touch is uh, Conway Twitty. I, you know, my grandmother, God bless her, my cousin grandmother who helped raise me when I was little because my mom was 15. The other, I, I was listening to Conway Twitty on the Country Channel on Sirius XM recently. And I heard all these songs growing up, you know, with my grandmother. And I'm like, this stuff is dirty, man. And my Nana, my Nana was rocking this well into her 60s. 
You ever listen to some of these Conway Twitty songs? Uh, I don't believe so. No, I, I mean I'm familiar with Conway Twitty. Just, just, I'd just, love to lay you down. Yeah, there's some dirty stuff. Is your name still around? No, she passed away eyes. many about ten years ago. Oh, I was gonna say Noah was a baby. Would she be honored though if you she's referred oh, to yeah. as the cousin grandma? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I yeah. I thought the answer was going to be yes, but I wanted the cast to... from Stranger Things probably would think my grandmother cussed too much. Okay, and look how I turned out, right? Looking in. Here, I'm telling you, this stuff is dirty, man. So we're listening to it. Okay, that was my that was that was my bad, my bad. <laughs> All right, that'll do it for today's podcast. Don't forget to join us on CRTV today. CRTV.com promo code Dace. We will be back at it again tomorrow with buy, sell, or hold on Wednesdays now here on the podcast. Until then, John three seventeen. Steve Dace. I like you.